Wow, yeah, thank you for, for ruining my, my start there. We are live. That's what happens when the music stops. This is a great start. All right. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Round Chipper here on 89.1 Villanova Radio. It is Monday, November 11th. I'm Pat Zang alongside my co-hosts, Conrad Bayer. Executive producer, Jack Sherwood. And we have a very special guest on this week, Professor Michael Bradley. Oh, hello. Hello. Happy Veterans you? Day. We Happy thank you Veterans for the service. Day. Yes. Uh, and it's actually first known as Armistice Day because it was the uh, November 11th at 11, 11 a.m. was when World War One ended, but uh, it was renamed Veterans Day. That's a perfect way to start. Actually, that was the next thing on my sheet, so you beat me to it. Not the Armistice Day. <laughs> Happy Veterans Day, everyone. So we have a really fun show to get into. Um, plenty of topics to cover. We will start it as we always do with our shout outs. Um, so yeah, this will take about seven minutes, Professor Bradley. <laughs> but that is Adam's the list. Yeah, exactly. So thank you to Connor, Jordy, Megan, Jewel, Shannon, Joe, Rebecca, Rick, Dan, Brian, Jack, not Sherwood, Madeline, Mike Rayo, Uncle Ken, Aunt Diane, Marie, Joe, Johnny, Mom, Tech, Bayers, Sherwoods, the Joseph's, Keynes, Woods, Moyes, everyone and everyone. Thank you so much. For listening, we are live on Instagram, round underscore tripper23. You can follow the live feed and see some video. Uh, and the podcast, round tripper with a space in between, um, is goes up every Tuesday morning on iTunes and Spotify, actually directly after your class. Um, yeah. Congratulations. This is the only radio show where you can actually shout, thank all of Everyone. your listeners. Literally Literally nice. <laughs> we I have like 12 that. live listeners right now. How do we get out of that? I can't. I can't all see of them here. are related to you guys. Uh, pretty much. Yeah, we got four. All right. So Let's that's go. All right. This is, this is perfect. <laughs> all right. Sorry. So we are going to start with not your older brother's um, LSU-Alabama game. Uh, this is a little different than the last time LSU won, which was 9-6 in 2011. So LSU coming away with a 46-41 victory on Saturday. What went right for LSU? Oh, yeah, sure. The thing that LSU did that really in, in, intrigued me was that it was able to keep the pedal to the floor throughout mm-hmm. the entire second half. I thought for a while that when in the third quarter, when Najee Harris and Alabama started going bananas, that LSU wasn't going to be able to keep up. But when, as the fourth quarter went on, every time it got the ball back, LSU was able to keep scoring. And it was a testimony to the, not just the talent, but now the, the depth that LSU has. In the past, it's always had good talent, but as it, you know, it didn't have the quarterback play and it didn't have the depth. They wore Alabama down and wore them out, particularly with the you know, offense to defense. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think also, we talked about it because we all watched it together. Is Conrad kept going? I can't wait until the fourth quarter LSU collapse or like the Bama comeback. Mostly it's been the Bama comeback looking back. Oh, sorry. Like the Alabama comeback, obviously being a Georgia fan going back to the championship game, college football, and the um, SEC championship game. But yeah, I think that they just got the pedal to the battle. I think also, too, is obviously when they needed a score, when they needed to run out like the clock, is Burroughs and Clyde stepped up. Yeah, I was just going to go with um, LSU in that second half was really able to just keep it going, and their defense uh, held up that entire that second half. There was a point, I believe it was late in the third quarter, where I thought, oh, this is when Alabama was really going to turn the corner. I believe they scored a touchdown, and then at coming back from commercial break, you could see they did the aerial shot of the stadium, and it was pitch black. It was a daylight saving. <laughs> wow. And I was like, 
because I told Pat before the game that for LSU it's huge that this game was a three thirty start because they were able to get into it before that was Alabama fans were able to get going and having that slow play catching every touchdown like every college team does. But I think that was a big point and I was really nervous for LSU coming back from that. I thought they hit they kind of slowed down a little bit after that first half where they every time. But LSU, especially Joe Burrow on that last drive, was really able to step it up, and he had like the poise that LSU quarterbacks haven't had for a while, and probably never really have had. He was able to kind of march them down. It was like, you know, there's been some seasons where like LSU's top passer hasn't hit 400 yards, and he yeah. almost threw for 400 yards in this one game. I saw LSU play at Texas earlier this year. I was fascinated by their wide receivers who caught anything that was even near them. It was almost mm-hmm. like a video game where you just had to throw it near them, and they got it. Because Burrow wasn't overly precise in that game. But he has become somebody who is so confident. And this offense now is being coordinated so well by uh, their, their two, you know, their two guys who are working it. it. It's amazing to see the transformation over the last two years mm-hmm. of this program. Yeah, so they brought in an offensive coordinator from the NFL. And it's clear, their offense is clearly very different than what they've been running in the past. Joe Burrow, obviously the transfer from Ohio State. Really incredible to look at if you go back to that Ohio State team from two years ago. Their roster, quarterback roster was JT Barrett, JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, and Joe Burrow. And JT Barrett was a starter on that team, um, especially with just how good Haskins and Burrow have been. What I look at a lot from the, the Bama LSU game, too, is Alabama shot themselves in the foot a lot for a Nick Saban team. Seven penalties. Um, you had the two turnovers, two of just fumbling the ball in the red zone. You had a drop punt that allowed for LSU to have really good field position. They just kind of dug themselves into a hole. I mean, it went in 33 to 13 at halftime. And even with that, I know we were talking, we thought Alabama was going to come back and win that game. But just LSU was just a little too hot to handle there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was fantastic. Um, you know, three touchdowns on the ground, as well as one receiving. He had the huge spin move off to the left and then uh, sealed the game as well by just running through about, what, six or seven Alabama defenders there at the end. So for, for LSU, just a really, really impressive performance. Um, I have a feeling they're now you're going to be your number one team on Tuesday night, but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, do we think Saban kind of rushed things by bringing Tua back early, or did you just have to do it for this game? I think you had to. I think when it's one versus two, especially at home, I think everyone, it's what the rest of the Bama schedule isn't that difficult, like outside of an game. So I think you had to bring him back to win, to um, be able to you know solidify your spot. Obviously, if they win, like, whoever won this game is in the driver's seat. Yeah, I mean, even if LSU loses a game in, mm-hmm. in the league, it still yep. holds the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. So last year last year was four weeks. He came back. This year was three weeks. It was clear in the second half that he was limping. But I'm going to tell you, if I'm Nick Saban, I'm not mad at my offense. I'm, I'm upset at my defense. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm surprised. At, at the end of the game, when LSU was going to try to run the clock out, they just Clyde took the ball straight through everybody. Yep. And that that's where I think, when you give up 40-plus points, you've got a problem on defense. And that, that to me, is, you know, I think Alabama scored enough to win most games. It just couldn't outscore LSU. Yeah, and that was one of my, my points going in where I said this wasn't your older brother's LSU-Alabama game because you're so used to these dominant tied defenses. And it hasn't been that this season. They allowed 23 points against South Carolina, 31 against Ole Miss, 28 against Texas A&M. Like, these are not impressive teams. Yes, LSU has a good offense. But 46 at home, that's not something you would expect, especially when you've seen how dominant things have been. So this is just such a flip-flop of an Alabama team where that offense is so dominant, it's probably going to have, what, three first-round picks 
I'm coming off with Judy Ruggs and, <laughs> and, Judy. and Judge Judy, as Jack refers to him as, and Tagovailoa. Um, so just a One real, of their linemen may go also. Yeah, so just uh, in the top ten, I believe the right tackle. So a, a very impressive group that they have here. Sticking on Alabama, can they still make the playoff? Yeah, I think I think that it, it gets exciting if with the Georgia like uh, SEC championship game with three one loss SEC teams, and I think that based off what ha- is, I think that I would love to see Penn State lose. Or pardon me, Penn State beat Ohio State and every that's the chaos, chaos game. Yeah, that that would be the the real disaster scenario for the playoffs because mm-hmm. they want to keep it at four. Right now, if you said you have a one loss. Um, uh, Minnesota team. Let's mm-hmm. say they they win out, right, yep. and they lose to Ohio State. A one loss Oklahoma team, a one loss Oregon team, and a one loss Alabama team. Which would you now? Oregon will have played a championship game. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma will have played a championship game. Alabama will not. If LSU mm-hmm. beats Georgia, it has two losses. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide, and and it'll be interesting to see if the selection committee, if Oklahoma beats Baylor twice. Finishes the game by winning bed season by winning bedlam, and you say, does, does a twelve and one Oklahoma team go ahead of an eleven and one Alabama team because it's mm-hmm. won its conference? What are your thoughts? I, I think that I think you have to do it if you want to have credibility in the yeah, playoffs. I agree. If you just want to make it seem like, well, Alabama's in every year no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, and Saban's going to and, and people, I think people get intimidated by him because he's going to scream and he's not going to scream and yell. He's going to be angry. He's going to bring that low boil, rap poison. But you stuck. But <laughs> As you he says stuck every time. it. To Ohio State mm-hmm. before you stuck it to oh, the, the, the Pac Pac twelve gets, gets hammered every, every year. Yeah. The Big Twelve has had it, had, and, and we've seen two SEC teams get in. And, and he may be may have the second best team in the country. I don't know, but you can't keep allowing them in when they don't win their conference. Yeah, I think that if I think exactly I think that what you said. If Oklahoma wins their conference, they're in. I think over Bama. I think they're. I think I think Bama's over Oregon. I think they're. I think they would be the last. They're like. The Right, I, I agree, and I think that's that's the difference there. That Oklahoma being twelve and one has mm-hmm. legitimate a, a legitimate claim. Okay, Pac twelve to me is it's a it's a it's a sixth toe. I agree. So so you say Clemson, Ohio State, LSU if they all went out are no brainers, and then I would take it. I would take it would go Oklahoma, Alabama. Riddle me this: What if Clemson gets upset this weekend? Then, if Clemson, gets upset, if Clemson gets upset this weekend, I'll learn the words of the Wake Forest. If song, Wake Forest, and I'll sing them in class. Right here, if Wake Forest beats Clemson, no. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Can you cancel class? Yeah, no, 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 I'm just like, I get in every paper. No, no, no. <laughs> anything that, I knew you. It's, it's all transactional. <laughs> no. It'll it'll definitely be interesting to watch, and I agree. A lot of it comes down to um, accountability for the and integrity for the committee. Can you justify all these conferences having the conference championships? The Big 12 added it not too long ago. Pac-12 with their title game. Oregon, if a one-loss Oregon team with that one loss to Auburn on the last play of the game, pretty much to Bo Nix, how much credibility do they, do they have? Um, they blew out USC. Um, future. So, yeah, exactly. Well, Urban Meyer will be there next year, so it'll be a lot different. <laughs> and here's the other thing you have to remember about all of this. You, you know, you can't, you can't say that we're going to, give teams credit for being champions mm-hmm. and then not let the champions in with, with one no. loss. And whom has Alabama beaten this year? That's the other thing you got to yeah. remember. 
beat Duke by like 50. Texas yes. A&M. So, nobody is any good in the SEC yeah. other than LSU, Alabama, They're gonna play Auburn, Auburn, probably, Auburn, probably. Auburn, and, 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 and Georgia. Florida is pretty good, but I mean, mm-hmm. Alabama no, didn't play Florida. Did no. so, Where is the Iron Bowl? Alabama, in the state it's of in, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. And it, it is at Auburn. At all. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think. That's, that's, a, that's that a legit. Helps. That's a good one. If you win that one, that is a good I one. S- I still don't think if you're if you don't win the if you're not at the championship and how many cupcakes Alabama schedules mm-hmm. like their non-conference play is absolutely atrocious. So I I don't think you can put them in. Like I would struggle putting Oregon in over them because the Pac-12 is an absolute joke. <laughs> <laughs> but Oklahoma, like I think you have to if they win the championship. Yeah, like you it. have to. Like and if they don't, I think like you said the. The committee loses any credibility, and I think everybody would hate it, even though Alabama has a very good chance of being the number one team, or the number two team in the country. Yep. And it's it's a very legitimate thing, but with how you how they say they structure making these decisions, you can't leave out champions. No, and, and here's the thing. The best thing for the playoff would be for Alabama to be left out mm. because then Saban would get furious. He would start stomping his feet and holding his breath and all that stuff, and then that might bring us to an eight-team tournament a lot quicker. Would you want an eight-team tournament? Yes. yes. Really? Has eight. to be. Yeah. You have this is this is four is way too. The, four, well, yeah. not just that. The very <laughs> thought of having five major conferences and not <laughs> taking every champion yeah. from the five major conferences is ludicrous. So now, if you want to say, all right, we'll go to six. Six, I think, six, is what yeah. they'll and be you next give two buys and yep. you do that. That's fine. But you have to include all five, and all five champions does does another thing. Everybody's, you know, we're we're led to believe by the four letter network that every <laughs> game counts. No, no games count anymore sure. yeah. because the, every every week the field gets winnowed, mm-hmm. and and as a result, you sometimes have entire conferences whose seasons don't matter at all. But it's if your champion is going to get in, then every game then does matter because yeah. you're going to find out who the champion of every conference is to see who gets into the tournament. So, when, so with the eight, you would have the five automatic qualifiers. Yep, five, and, and then you'd large. have three. three at large, or do you do two at large and one no. of like the other six? No, because it doesn't. I mean, if there's a good enough team, again, let the selection yeah, committee choose. If Central yeah. Florida is undefeated, sure, fine. And and you you know right now you would say okay, the five champions. So you have let's just say it's today LSU. Uh, Ohio State, Clemson, Oregon, and Oklahoma. Then you'd probably take Georgia, Alabama, and who? Baylor, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, one of those. Penn State. You can't take Penn State. You can't can't take Penn State over Minnesota as long as they have the same record. Yep. So, and Penn State still has to play Ohio State. And and judging by the sec from the second half on of the Michigan game, Penn State has not looked good. No, yes. I thought, especially too, I told Pat, on text, mm-hmm. I guess I'll wait until we get, do you want to go around? Let's go into now? it, sure. So yeah. Minnesota upset Penn State 31-26. I lived in Minnesota for a lot of years. Like, they had they had not, I told Pat they hadn't won a big game in 50 years. Obviously, <laughs> that's a lie. But, like, and they, they, they didn't win. Yeah, well, the, the last hadn't. big game they won was 19, that I can think of was 1986 when they upset Michigan. Well, I would say the <laughs> Not really, Michigan was ranked fourth in the country or I something, would, was undefeated when Minnesota beat them. I'd say their biggest win the day before that game was winning back Paul Bunyan's. Paul Bunyan's yeah, back. beating, beating yeah. Wisconsin, Wisconsin last, like they had to beat last Wisconsin. year, yeah, right? They had won in 12 years. And I That's thought a big one. A noon game, like, I thought there was no way they were going to win. I thought they were going to get stomped. I yeah. thought Penn State would be I too, too quick on defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a, and in, in reality, Penn State's defensive backfield looked bad, and Minnesota's humongous offensive line leaned on the front four yeah. of Penn oh, State. I was very it. surprised. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I thought... Get to the second half. James Franklin, good enough coach. No, I, he isn't. <laughs> I would love to talk about that because yeah. that the fourth and goal 
from the five in which they threw a fader out to the yeah, corner. That's yeah. said, that's, that's, that was a five throw feed on fourth down. I, I don't get it. So Clifford threw three interceptions, two from Anton Winfield Jr. Mr. Uh, Bradley, cool. I went to school with Anton Excellent. Oh, yeah, three second is. grade. Second grade, second. what happened? You I, tossed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get me. There's that cheating skin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no one talks about that. No, it was performance-enhancing drugs on the playground. He was eating paste. <laughs> I've seen it. He was, but back then he was. I mean, Jack was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But even, you know, his dad was really small. You know, he went to the... Great corner, though. Yeah, the horrible place in Columbus. He was with the Bills for half to eight years. And Anthony was junior iron grade, second grade back then. I towered over. When I towered over. Good, I'm glad he grew. So, also, do you, like, what's his, his he's the top-rated cornerback this year? One of them, yeah. One of them. And that's the thing people don't realize about P.J. Fleck is a darn good coach. Signed an extension. He just signed a six-year extension. Yep, through 2026. Right, and the thing you have to remember about it is, with extensions now, the easy part is how many years and how much money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hard part is the buyout. The buyout, yeah, exactly. If I leave after two, what do I have to pay you? If you mm-hmm. fire me after four, what do I get? So that's where it becomes dicey as, as everybody says, go get P.J. Fleck. Well, it's not going to be easy. The person who's going to be in demand is Matt Rule. Yes. And those so Jets. interviewed made, with the Jets. Yeah, yeah, who exactly. were stupid enough not who to Who may have another uh, coaching uh, vacancy come January. They, they weren't uh, January. smart enough to give him full control over his staff, and that's mm-hmm. why he said yep. no. Yep. Nope. Uh, he will be very interesting to watch with Baylor. Still undefeated after the overtime win over TCU. Now, so Minnesota has a two-game lead on their side of the Big Ten, so they should theoretically... Who's left for be in the Big Ten title game? I, mean, I know they play Wisconsin. Wisconsin. They play Nebraska. I'm pulling up the schedule yeah, right I mean, now. Nebraska's got they got a they finished at Iowa, at Iowa, at Northwestern. Uh, yeah, so they, they, <laughs> they could lose the Iowa. Wait, wait, wait. Is it in the knee-high grass? Do we know where the Northwestern? I yeah, don't know. I should know. It's in Evanston. Yeah. It doesn't. Is it a noon start? He's a huge Northwestern fan. Yeah, why? So my dad wants to Okay, it's fine. And I'm from outside Chicago. No, so yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I go to that game. In Chicago, I, I understand. There you that. go. It's a to be decided. So, oh, best God. case scenario for Northwestern. Yeah, here so we go. It's a nice 11 a.m. start, Central Time. They could be tripped up there. No, they should roll that team uh, by six. Absolutely. Northwestern's <laughs> offense yeah. is about as potent as a 90-year-old man. It's <laughs> atrocious. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is horrible. <laughs> it is, and, but here's the thing. You know, Minnesota was way up for Penn State. Now they got to go to Iowa. Yeah. Iowa was tough. I saw them play Michigan live. They, you know, they gave Wisconsin all they wanted last week. That's a tough one. And then if they if they lose that game and lose to Wisconsin, Wisconsin takes the West title because of the head-to-head, mm-hmm. provided it beats Nebraska and Iowa. So, yeah, Minnesota will be a very interesting team to watch, especially if they can get to that Big Ten title game undefeated, which is what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Um, like when I was it the first year when it was I I was undefeated and then lost to Ohio State. The first year of the college football playoff was the second. It was the second year because it wasn't the Cardell Jones. Card but out, like yeah. they had, I think it was Desmond King. They kept talking about being a two star recruit and now being a top ten player. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I, when I right and if if Minnesota an undefeated Minnesota team were to be, play in an undefeated Ohio State team who was coming off a win over Michigan, the spread might be about. 31. Seriously. I mean, and I'm not denigrating Minnesota. I'm just saying we haven't mentioned them, and I hate to say it, but that Ohio State team is unreal. It, and how do you think Georgia feels picking uh, uh, from over, over Fields? Because yeah. Fields is unbelievable. Fields is, and he's going to keep getting better yeah. as well. Um, from probably going to leave after this year, too. So we'll <laughs> we'll see with, with Kirby he Smart just, there. He just didn't want to compete. Yeah, Justin Fields is still a competition. I don't know, Wild Dog. The Wild Dog. 
half dozen passes all year. You mm-hmm. want to start? Yeah. Well, I, look, and this is the way it works now. Yeah, but he was the number college, one college athletes want to. First of all, the ones at lower levels want to step up, and I understand mm-hmm. that. But the ones who get and and it's the coach's fault too. Jack, you're my guy. You're my guy. I want you to play quarterback for me. Come on in. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Conrad, you're my guy. You're, the next year, I'm bringing you in because I think you're better than him. And and it, sometimes it's impossible when you get four five star guys. Someone's going to sit on the bench. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting just based off of the coaching staff. Too, because we have better. So it's you know obviously compared comparing now is from you know is a little bit of a game manager. Right. It's interesting that the Georgia staff didn't do that, mm-hmm. or if you know it's just the program, or if because Georgia, for as long as I've been alive, has been. I remember wrong with Bradley. I feel like they've always been a pocket passing team. They haven't really had a dual threat quarterback since like DJ Shockley, which was right. like 2003 ish era. But guess what? In today's college football, yep. you have That's to have wins. a quarterback mm-hmm. who can yeah. run. I mean, even Burrow, Burrow can run. What did they say? He, he said he said after the game, people say I'm sneaky fast. I know what that means. Yeah. Right? It yeah. means I'm slow. But he can run. Of course, Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma can run. Uh, Fields can certainly run. The exception was last year, uh, Haskins at Ohio State. He was he was he, not yeah. a very mobile. No, he just relied on that cannon all. of an arm. That wasn't his thing. He could, but he could throw it through a brick wall. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll move here to, to start to wrap up this segment. Um, who is your top four? Committee comes out uh, tomorrow night. Should be a little bit of a shakeup with two of the top four teams losing. I'm gonna say it's LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. I think I I have to agree with that. Yeah, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. Might even switch the Clemson. Even though Clemson's undefeated, I just don't think. Well, they play Wake. Until this week. I think that's the same. I think as as chalk as that sounds, I think that's where it is. And then, what, five? Georgia? Alabama, five. Alabama, five? Yeah, I don't care when a team loses. I I care who Mm -hmm. they lose to. Yep. And, And I think, you know. Georgia has not impre- overly impressed no, me. They, yeah. they no, could I well have lost to Florida. Now, Florida is a good team. It may be a very good team, but it's not a great team. Alabama lost to a great team. Mm-hmm. Minnesota still like, let's, let's see what happens. You know, you, let's you see how they finish the season. They look great so far. Being And Penn State looked unprepared. So I'll, I'll, I'll put Alabama fifth. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of good games too this weekend going on. Like Georgia at Auburn. Obviously, we talked about Minnesota having to go to Iowa, which I was. Like, and they're the playing players. for Floyd of Rosedale, so yeah, never the, forget the pig. The, the pig yes. I love but Minnesota has what, some of the like, best they have trophies. Like six right? trophies, mm-hmm. and that's it's not like the Civil War when Connecticut and UCF. Oh, that was that. Was, yeah, <laughs> like, or, or the Penn State, Michigan State land grant. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have the um, little brown jug with you guys. Little brown and jug. And they have the pig. They have the axe. I forgot they had the bell. So it's like it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot. I would. Big I, Ten's a big trophy comp. Yeah, yeah, I love that though. Oh, it's, yeah. there, it's a lot. Every game's a every game's. A, and I want to you know there's two Paul Bunyan axes because Michigan and Michigan State play this week for a Paul Bunyan axe. It's not the same axe. It's do more they, a trophy. It's a Paul Bunyan trophy. When they take the axe, do they go over to the goalpost and chop it down? No, it's metal. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. like, that'd be, that's, yeah, that'd be that's my favorite when they take it and they and run pretend like the they're chopping. <laughs> I think people are going to be upset tomorrow. I think Alabama's going to be the fourth team. I think that changes towards the end of the season, but I think the, as the committee has shown towards the end of the year, they definitely make swa- uh, swaps. Ohio State suffered from that. Um, a couple years ago, but I think that Alabama only moves down to four. In the AP poll, Alabama. I think Alabama stays at four to if, start. If Oklahoma goes in and rolls over a Baylor team, and um, where's Baylor? Oh, uh, Waco. If they go into Waco and they go 
then, then things start to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Baylor has been living on. They won last week without scoring a touchdown in regulation. Yeah, it was 9 9 going went over overtime. Texas Tech, I think, earlier this year was, was kind of shaky. It was double overtime, and there was a questionable call in there or something. So, look, Matt Rule, love them. 9 0 is 9 0, but. I think they're gonna they're gonna be, and it's gonna be a huge game down there. You know, is that game day going yeah, down there? Uh, What's your prediction? Pain. Oh, sorry, Oklahoma double digits. Would you like? To, that was great. Would you like to give one word on your game of the decade that yeah, you're going to uh, before we go to break? The game of the century has been downgraded to the game of the decade because losses from Tech, but watch out. Not only did they lose, they got destroyed. No, they they their best wide receiver got included. Their top two wide receivers were out. Jamie Newman just didn't have anyone to throw to. Um, so shout out to that team for putting up 17 points. Just wait until the wake train rolls into Clemson, and they'll look really good in warmups. And then after that, I'm not. Sure. Uh, that's fair Why? enough. Just, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, game of the century. What game of the decade? This weekend. All right, so that'll wrap up our first segment. We are going to send it to a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Round Trip 891, and we'll be right back. Oh, really? Okay. Struggling. All right, back here, and we are going to delve into the National Football League, if I could get this around. All right, so we are going to start with the Tennessee Titans took down the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, just try talking to us. Speak loud. (laughs) Speak loud. I'll share this mic with Sherwood here as we... Uh, rearrange. Uh, we have new mics coming in, which my will be exciting. My contract says I got my own mic. Oh, your and your yeah. mic is coming through very clearly, so that's why we put you that's there. Usually my mic is together. That is usually sure with mic. I get the one that works sometimes. Hey, it's working right now. Actually, sounds clear. I don't have to hold it this time. That sounds so much better, actually. So I don't know what you're doing right there, but we'll, we'll take it. it. <laughs> Talking to my feelings. And this is why I am not the engineer. I'm College sure. radio, ladies. And yeah, <laughs> there radio. is nothing like it. Are the Kansas City Chiefs the second best team in the AFC? No. <laughs> uh, no, they're not. The second you said second best, correct? No. I think it's Baltimore. As I think that I'm buying into the hype, buying in low. I th- yeah. I, was, I mean, but here's the thing, and this is what always gets me. Baltimore cleaned New England's clock. Yeah. Beat it badly. Okay. Made made this vaunted defense look like it really didn't know what it was doing and stuffed the offense. Why isn't Baltimore the best? I'm not. I don't. I'm not buying it on January, but on mm-hmm. on November 11th, Baltimore's the best team in the AFC. It, it beat New England. Yeah, and dismantled Cincinnati yesterday. Yes, Cincinnati's four of us could have dismantled Cincinnati yesterday. Uh, Tua is going to love playing yeah. in Cincinnati next year. Um, but Baltimore, I think Baltimore is so interesting because of just how they've kind of reworked that defense over the years. They let C.J. Mosley walk in free agency. They allowed the Jets to overpay him to not play for them um, this season with all the injuries. You've seen Lamar Jackson just put up ridiculous. He's got, I, as ESPN put out the stats today, he's got more rushing yards than LaDainian Tomlinson did through the same amount of games. And if you're following at home, um, Lamar Jackson's a quarterback. Did you know Breaking that? Breaking news. back, that's a quarterback. <laughs> it's a quarterback. So well, I, well I, I wouldn't say that. That's the one thing no. you have to yes. remember. And he's, he's caught a lot of, of flack for that. Um, the thing that is interesting is how well does this offense hold up in the, in the postseason? Yeah. Uh, because teams will be able to game plan for it a little more effectively. Last year, it didn't work well. San Diego basically mm-hmm. said, we're going to play eight defensive backs mm-hmm. against you. We're going to tackle real well, mm-hmm. and we're going to, and we're going to stuff you with, and, and, uh, Lamar Jackson couldn't do anything this year. He's throwing better. He's throwing more effectively. Can you win an NFL playoff game, throwing the ball 20 to 25 times rather than 30 to 35? 
I think it can play this um, this January. Come just seeing the progression that Jackson's had, adding Mark Ingram has been huge for this offense and giving them a really stable back um, to piggy off of, piggy off of. They've got Gus Edwards, who's a decent backup. Marquise Brown uh, added through the draft, so you've got Hollywood coming from Oklahoma. There's some weapons now on that offense. Mark Andrews has played really well at tight end. So I, I think that last year, I absolutely agree, and I, I think that um, Los Angeles, excuse me, <laughs> uh, really took advantage of that. But through the progression that you've seen from Baltimore this year, I think they're really dangerous come postseason. I just think that they always talk about it with Belichick. He always takes away what your best option is and what you do best. He takes that away. That's why I was so surprised that Jackson did so well last week because I thought, okay, Belichick's going to have those guys in the film or more. I think that would, I think when they played Kansas City, he went from what, do, going man to man to playing zone against Mahomes or something. Like he switched it. I remember Tony Romo talking about that. He switched the whole defensive scheme over one week. And that's why I was very surprised that Jackson threw and ran very well. So I think that not to get ahead of ourselves because the Bills might be in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> But if there's and it could you know it could be Kansas City, Patrick, but, you told me to show credibility. I'm so sorry. But like if, I, if if we're looking forward to you know a AFC Championship game hypothetical, those two teams again, I think I'd be very interested to see what Belichick does again. Like that's obviously very very far away because we do have that Kansas City team. Two things you got to remember: a last year Mahomes and Kansas City put up a lot of points in the AFC title game. Yeah, so, so Belichick was not. Completely effective, and we're yeah. a D four offside away from picking yeah. off. Yeah, he wasn't offside. Yeah. And I think the other, and I think the other part is too. I think I think Belichick wanted to play it a little straight in this the regular season game. I think if it comes down to it in the postseason, he will spy him, he will mush rush, he will not let Lamar Jackson run, even from a uh, uh, a, a, a set running play. He's not going to let him run out of the pocket. That he will be con- he will be con- convicted that he will not do that. But he's going to try to shut down that run and say, "Okay, beat me with the pass. If you can, if you, we're going to play man to man. If you can sell out and beat us, throwing the ball against our 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 man to man coverage and sometimes zero coverage with no safety, because we're going to put seven guys there and, and stop the run. Then you know, hats off to you." Yeah, no, it's very interesting. That's I didn't think about that. That he didn't, you know, show the cards like you know. I'm not saying he showed the cards. Oh, no, I, think he's, I think he said, "Well, right, he's they're not going to. He's not going to run it that much." I think what people are finding out is there's there's two things here. A, his running is the, is the key to that offense. So if you yeah. stop it, what happens to the offense? And B, someone's going to hit him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the other thing. Hopefully not in the head. You listen Josh to defensive Allen. players. If you listen to defensive players talk, when the quarterback is running, they cannot wait. It's mm-hmm. like you got the full run running. of the buffet and you don't know where to start. They want to hit him real hard. Yeah. And that's what, I think that's what someone said is that they said wait till he gets to get hit. I th- I read that this morning. And I mean, he could get hurt. He he could tear a knee. He could get concussed. He could you know he could really get hurt because once you're running around, it's one thing to do spin moves against the, the Bengals. Yeah. It's another thing to do spin moves against a real NFL team. And also too, once you get in the open field, you know all those protections are you know your runner now, which is yeah. And that was the downfall of Cam Newton that we've seen too yeah. is that he just got hit too many times. He left the pocket all the time. I mean, he didn't have particularly great offensive lines in Carolina. Thank you, Dave Gettleman, for that. Now doing a wonderful job in New York. <laughs> but it's definitely something that you can look at. I mean, down the road this season, though, I, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what Baltimore can do. And I think they're very dangerous. I, I don't want to count out Kansas City. That defense is pretty poor. They were towards the bottom of the league last year and kind of just outscored everyone on their way to do it. They're trying to do it again this year, but it's clearly not proving as effective. Yes, I understand that Mahomes missed two games and came back very quickly from an ankle injury here, but Mahomes looked pretty good. 
Yeah, he looked he did look pretty good. But I'd I'd still say Baltimore as of right now. There I almost think of this with Lamar almost like that that year that Carolina went to the Super Bowl and how, how Cam was playing, how he's able he's basically unstoppable because mm-hmm. he could run, throw, he could do anything. I think that's what Lamar is kind of doing this year. Um, but I also with in, in future years, like I know everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson's this next big thing. Um our ball just said something about for the next eight years, everybody's going to wear number eight quarterback jerseys for the Ravens. And I'm like, we're a little ahead of ourselves because <laughs> no no true running quarterback, and I know Lamar doesn't like to be referred to that, you only get like two, three years for because of that injury concern, especially since Lamar is so, so frail. And that was a big thing coming out of Louisville is that he was so small. He's not a big guy. And he, he has like put on some weight, but you're going to get hit even if you're the one trying to like lay out the hits like he says he does. These NFL guys, they're big, and they're gonna they're gonna hit. They just need to land one, and his career could be. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting thing that people don't remember though, the year he won the Heisman, he threw a lot of touchdown passes. Yep. And and That's and he incredible. was he did he was a pass first guy. What you may be seeing with him, because remember yesterday, as as much as everybody wants to talk about that forty seven yard touchdown run against the Bengals, or was it forty nine? I don't know. Perfect passer rating. He had perfect passer rating. So if you can go seventeen of 21, 18 of twenty four throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns, then then you don't have to run as much. And I think what, what may be happening is John Harbaugh may be saying, he's going to become a pro passer and a very good one, but he's not there yet. So let's do some things that make him more effective in the running game while he's still young, while he can take more hits, while it hasn't had sure. a cumulative effect, and keep working him to be a more effective passer. Yeah, I think so. I think you see with the shelf life of these NFL players is not always particularly long. Um, I know Tom Brady is more of the outlier than what you would expect. So especially someone that plays like Lamar does. So you might as well try to extract everything you can out of him right now. And we'll see if it leads to a uh, playoff run for Baltimore this year. We'll move it to a game that I know Sherwood was not looking forward to discussing. Um, the Cleveland Browns took down the Buffalo Bills in Cleveland, 1916. We have a little break. Yeah, it's like jelly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the- it's, you know what? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, well, breaking moves, Mr. Bradley. Yeah, was John Quinterly was re- denied his uh, uh, the transfer uh, immediately eligible eligibility, which is rare because they let a lot of kids yeah. be eligible right away. But he is not uh, not allowed. So are the Packers win? <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, no. So it, yes, the NCAA basically, I, I feel like picks out a hat for a bunch of these things. Yeah. And uh, why, Mr. Bradley? Why did Justin Fields, why was he able to play? And Tate Martell, why were they able to play I, I, right away? They were able to, like, because to I, come up with some sort of hardship. Fields also was saying there was some sort of discrimination or something mm-hmm. against him there. And it was, he had to leave. You know, he was he, he was able to, to convince the brain trust in Indianapolis <laughs> that he wasn't leaving because he wasn't playing. He was leaving for some other reason. Yeah. And there are attorneys out there now who are becoming expert at this and finding able to get one right. thing that happened that created an atmosphere that was this or that or this and, you know, crazy uncle lives 20 miles from campus and needs him to help him or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I have a feeling on Quinterly that this is the NCAA's way of getting back at him and saying you snuck away from us with the whole Arizona allegations Could be. and you were able to get into Vill- get to Villanova kind of with no penalties. Well, here you go. And I have a feeling that's what happened here with the um, the Quinterly waiver. Not a, not a bad, not a bad thought. That's my Who's guess. the coach of Bama basketball? Still AG. 
No, he's no, gone. he left. Avery Johnson's uh, son. It's Nate Oates, a former Buffalo coach. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because they gave him some huge con. Like, oh, uh, they because I follow like a lot of Bills talk radio people on like Twitter and no and I went through all the different like like all everything that he got all the perks. It was incredible. Well, just remember if you've got to get, if you want to coach basketball in Alabama, yeah, you, you know you you are you're in third place. You're behind fourth place. You're behind football, spring football, recruit football recruiting, <laughs> and then you. So yeah. to get somebody to get down there who's any good, you're going to have to money whip them. No, that's true. It, it's completely true. So, uh, we'll Sorry leave. for the digression. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely something to uh, to discuss, especially with the Villanova spin on it. Um, can we just get Sherwood Sorrows here and have your little monologue on this? Um, yeah, they just look really poor. Um, the defense, I, th- <laughs> um, the defense just has not, <laughs> the defense just is not looking that well. Um, <laughs> Going back to, I think if you take a look at it, the first three games obviously didn't play anyone that good. New England game, okay, that's not tough. Um, or they didn't do well. Coming out of the bye week, you thought, okay, you know, Josh Allen's making a progression. I thought they were going to be like the Bears last year with the second-year quarterback, a very good defense. Coming out of the bye week, they struggled against the Dolphins. Obviously, Mr. Bradley knows what happens the next week. And they struggled. the Eagles beat the tar out of them? <laughs> you mean when they ran the ball down their throat? <laughs> Yeah, but they, when they went to Buffalo and yeah. made them there. 200, 200, <laughs> 202 yards. Okay. Um, I'm just checking. Yeah. No, but that's why. It's coming, like, after the bye, it's, okay, you know, you're sitting there 4-1. and one. I thought the world of this team. I thought, you know, playoff bound. I even thought they could sneak in as a top two seed. But, no, it's the same old Bills. And I think that you take well, they're a look. they're still growing. Come on. If, if I had told you at the beginning of the year they go 9-7, oh, no, would you have been happy? No, because I'm on, is it playoffs? I'm. I'm under the. I'm, Did you actually believe that they were going to make the playoffs? I still year? do believe they're making no, believe, the playoffs. I mean, believe. Oh no, I hope. I mean, I truly, real... I truly thought looking at the schedule, they had a very, very good shot at making the playoffs. All right. I thought. Yeah, I thought at this four wins, Jets and Dolphins. Yeah, and then I thought. <laughs> I thought at this point they should. Yeah, I thought at this point they should be seven and two. I thought they should. Like I thought, I had them penned in, of uh, the wins that they won. I thought those were wins. The two losses, obviously, against the Birds in New England, I thought those were going to be losses. I thought Cleveland was a toss-up. So, obviously, sitting here, if you told me at the beginning of the year they're 6-3 and three through, you know, week 10 through nine weeks, I'd probably take that. But just looking at the way that they're trending, I think that's the thing. If they're 6-3 and three and they're trending upward, I'm a lot more excited. Obviously, you talked about the interior defense between the tackles. They got gashed by your running backs. They, Adrian Peterson put up 108 yards, 106 yards in the first half. And he uses a cane now. <laughs> and Chubb, like I, I, it's just very, it's very interesting that the defense was very good for the last couple of years since Sean McDermott's come, and they've been just thrashed by the running game. And I think part of it also too is my dad texted yesterday: you can't win a game putting up sixteen points. Like you can't, it's you, you can't win. You can't expect your defense to do that well. And the defense made the once they made basically two goal line stops to give up three three points. And the fourth quarter, you can't, you know, you can't put that much pressure on them again. I think that some of it falls on the defense. I think some of it falls on the offense and the offensive coordinator, uh, Diablo Diablo. I don't know how to pronounce it. I haven't learned it yet because I think he's going to get fired. And <laughs> God bless you. I think that, I think also too, there's still, I think also too, there's, um, there's still a growing process with Josh Allen. It's third and three a couple times, and he's throwing it 30, 40 yards downfield. All you he need, did make some, some questionable Yeah, reads. all you need is just a three-yard out route to Cole Beasley. John Brown, whatever it he's is. He's a second-year quarterback. 
I mean, it takes a long time for these guys to understand that the NFL is different than college. Yeah. Where you take what they give you, you you keep bringing the ball down the field, and you don't try to be a hero. I think also, too, I circled the running back, uh, Devin Singletary had eight rushes for 61 yards. Why has he got, not gotten more touches? He pulled the hamstring week two and the Jets. It's been, what, it's been seven weeks now. I think I, they've said that it's healthy. They really featured him against Washington. Why he's not getting more touches against the 30th ranked defense. But pardon me, um, rush defense, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think this game tells more just about who the Bills are. I think Cleveland, I think going in, you saw the talent that they have. It's, you know, they're what, three and six, but I think just it shows. I don't shows. think they have that as much talent as everybody says because I don't, A, I don't think their quarterback's as good as everybody thinks he is. B, I don't think their defense, their line, their lines are as good as people think. They, they, they're, they're better, but I, you know, they may win seven games, but I don't think they're going to the playoffs. Yeah. Do you think Freddie Kitchens is playing this game? Uh, <laughs> it, it depends. It really depends. So what are they? They're three and six now. Mm-hmm. You, you come in at five and eleven. He may not be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, because it, the difference between the NFL and college is they're not going to say, "Oh, this is wrong. He wasn't given a chance." No, they'll they'll place it right because he's an offensive coach, mm-hmm. and and they're not scoring a lot of points. Yeah, I I just look at it and I I think Mike McCarthy is the the guy for them that they should what they should have hired originally, and I think that especially if the season continues to end up the way that it's going, that they might just hit the reset button here um, before they kind of lose their window with those contracts that they have right now. I would also agree. I think that this game probably says more about the Bills than about the Browns, and that I like Buffalo. I'm not sure that they have all the talent that they need right now, especially on offense. As, as we've said, like, we like Josh Allen. Love, oh, he loves Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen. I will not go anything stronger than that. I just, I don't think the decision-making is totally there. I think he likes to run a little bit too much. And I think he likes to show off that arm a lot more instead of making the correct read. And that, especially when you get into January, I think they're just going to be overmatched. I do think they make the postseason. Because I think that the schedule is oh, the Bills. I, I was going to ask Mr. The Bradley to give it to me. Are they yeah. are making the playoffs or what? Or right, they, I, so they have three. They have the three AFC East games left, right? They have three left. Their schedule is home against. Um, I've got it's all right. It's away at Miami, home against Denver, at Dallas, at Washington, or not Washington, at Baltimore, home against Pittsburgh, at New England, home against the Jets. I'm not making. I've got I've got three guaranteed losses. Mm-hmm. Who are the three? Dallas. Pittsburgh or da- Dallas. Pittsburgh has become a lot harder. Home oh, against yeah. Pittsburgh. Home yeah. against Dallas, Pittsburgh. New England, New England, Baltimore. Baltimore. Those are losses. So that's six six and six. Right. I can and say. And I'm going to say. I, now that means they got to win out. I don't think nine and seven is going to do yeah. it. Uh, so th- that Pittsburgh game could be the that's game what because it is. Denver stinks. Your swing uh, the fish stink. Yeah. The, the, the Jets stink. Jets, yeah. That's why this game was so important so, to get to yeah. six and two. Right. That would have been huge if you would, if you were seven and two there. Oh, yeah. Seven and two. I think that that's. Yeah, I think the pendulum is much more toward making the playoffs. Yeah, doubt. I think now it's, I would say it's more leaning toward I 50-50 if not. Because yeah, Tennessee's win helps it a lot. Yeah. Oakland. Oakland still, yeah, Oakland still has Oakland's the Jets, the Broncos, the Bengals. I mean, so that those are three guaranteed wins almost. Yeah. And and if they, you know, if they beat the Chargers, they, you know, so there, it's going to be a big mess, and it's exactly what the NFL wants. You're going to go in the last two oh, weeks exactly. with a bunch yeah, of teams that are like seven and seven, eight and six, six and eight, all able to claim some kind of uh, you know playoff cred- credibility, and that's exactly what they want. That's your NFL red zone ad right there. I'm I'm yeah. still holding out that the Bills are going to win Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's Dallas until believe me, bless you. 
As, as an Eagles fan, it would be wonderful if you pulled that off. I this is this could be the greatest Thanksgiving if they won. The greatest, better than the first, <laughs> in my lifetime. Yes. Okay. My, yeah. What would the Pilgrims say? Um, the John Miles Spanish would be delighted because he would, he would take the Bills in the playoffs. They would say uh, no one circles the wagons. So hope is not lost. I'll see you in the playoffs. I'll see you in the Super Bowl. I'll see you in Miami. Okay. We can both we'll skip sports journalism. We'll go, yeah, we'll go to the uh, we'll go to bed. You know that my nightclub where they have chairs and beds <laughs> where Gronk likes that. <laughs> Would you like? We'll wrap up the NFL segment so we can let Mister Bradley go home. Oh, oh yeah, yes. He would no, like to ask you a question. I just put down the bottom. What's your? Can we get your Super Bowl prediction? Like, just I know it's still early. It's week ten, just so that we can follow it. Saints, along. Patriots, and who wins? Saints. Is Taysom Hill quarterback? <laughs> he Let me tell you about Taysom. Eddie. Oh my. You get four class with Bradley. I will talk to you about Taysom Hill in my Madden franchise. Oh my god! I'm not going to be there for him. I, I'm going to walk in at eight twenty nine and fifty nine no. seconds if to avoid that. If it's eight thirty, I'm closing the door, Mr. Bradley. Yeah, don't be late. I've got a swipe card. A and two. I don't need to hear about Taysom Hill. He's he's a very very nice third quarterback. He's great. Thank you. But okay, so Saint, so you, you think the Saints that this yesterday was just I, I, I want to see what San Francisco does tonight I against, against yeah. tonight, Seattle. Tonight will be. Can very, we get your pick on that? What's the spread? Six and a half Seattle. They're oh, pardon, 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 plus San six and a half Seattle. I I apologize. You don't plus six spreads. Yeah, yeah, San I, Francisco yeah. minus six. I, and I, a half. I, yeah. Help them out, Patrick. <laughs> um, that's a big number. Yeah, uh, the, the Seahawks Seattle stink. That. This, no, this, uh, that's telling me to take San Francisco. You think so? Yeah, it's a funny line. It, you know, you, it's and and Seattle stinks away from home. That's what the Eagles are counting on that they come to Philadelphia and they don't and they're not ready to play. But I want to see what I want to see what San Francisco does because if they win tonight, you know, you want that you want that home field. Yeah. San Francisco doesn't want to be in the Superdome. No, absolutely for that. not. And and they don't want to be in Green Bay. Uh, no, no. You know that's that's a bad. Those are bad spots because it'll be four degrees in Green Bay and loud as heck in New Orleans. Are your birds gonna win? Beat New England this weekend? No. Score three and a half. Scoreline. Twenty-seven to seventeen. Loss. Wow. <clears throat> okay. Did you get all your predictions? This no, I was. And gonna... just remember, I had both Penn State and Alabama giving the points this past weekend. So remember how much you're paying. Yeah, your yes. direct quote from Mr. Bradley was. Bet the house on, or bet every every penny you have in Penn State. Precisely. Yeah. yeah so. so I'll need a check for all the money. I well, I'll take it out of my uh, my honorarium for a period. That's true. Yeah. My Fleming's gift card. I'm sure, he's working on that. That's our, what our executive. I'll get I'll, I'll get back to you, Sam Bradley. Yeah. Make make sure everybody who's listening here tunes in at ten o'clock to the show formerly known as Yes, absolutely. Which is a very good show. Uh, Bridget Highland's in my public speaking class, and uh, I definitely recommend listening to her. She likes pickles, money. Um, about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and she doesn't wear socks that match ever. That's right now you are bringing back memories of the application when they put in the description that they will be talking about all things Rutgers athletics, and I actually did double take. Um, Her father's a big Rutgers fan, so and she's still sense. she's still salty about what she considers Michigan running up the score on them a few years ago. Just wait till Greg Schiano's back. Schiano man. I'll tell you what, that's scary. I think it's going to happen. Fully operational Rutgers Death I, Star. And they, <laughs> they were very good when he was there. They were yeah. very, very good while he was there. So, And I do think it's going to happen. They're going to have to give him whatever he wants. And I think they will. I don't think he likes, they have a new president. I don't think he likes the president. He also yeah. wants a new um, football facility, football only facility. Well, everybody wants one. Exactly. And everybody gets one of those. That's the thing. Northwestern, Northwestern has a got one. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. Yes. Hey, yeah, I, love, really I, love, I love Pat Fitzgerald. I'm, I'm yeah. mystified that, that Northwestern has taken such a big dive this year. It, I, I thought that the I one think thing, it's the changing quarterback. 
Yeah, but I mean, I've seen impotent offenses yeah. before. But this is unbelievable. This, I think they're going to fire this. That, that, well, they, they got they, well. They hope that the guy who, who did they get the kid from Clemson to come in. Um, yeah, and I think he. Uh, I, I literally I saw like three games. I'm yeah, they're so glad really, I'm not on the back home where I can watch all these games. But um, plenty of good seats available. Yes, it's a fun. And time. now they might not even be the Illinois because Illinois is bowl eligible after Lovey, beating Lovey, Lovey, yeah, Smith. Lovey Smith. Bring him back. Lovey Smith. Well, he's coming back. I mean, heck, they won five games the last two years. He's won six already. He's still got a game against. Northwestern and Northwestern Northwestern's awful. Beat Wisconsin. And who else they had? They probably got another, you know, Mike Purdue or some other yeah. messy Nebraska. SEC West team. Scott Frost. I think it's Nebraska. They end up with seven or eight wins. <laughs> I don't think so. Bring them back. <laughs> I want them back. Man, that would be quite the story. All right, well, that'll wrap it up. We want to say thank you to Mr. Bradley for coming on. It's my pleasure. Same time, same place next week, Mr. Bradley. Guests of the Around Tripper receive a gift certificate to Boys. Come back to Philadelphia. Come to Boys. It's true, right? You're working on it? Would you sell for Camco? What would you? <laughs> I will buy you breakfast from you the Conley Center. Anything. From, my... With my point, meal points tomorrow. Would you like don't a worry, bagel, a muffin, <laughs> nope. or a water? Too much carbohydrate. Water. No, water. water. Is, water. I got is. water. I have my water. I'll have my water. I don't need anything. I'm self-contained. Okay. Thank you, though. I I'll show up to class with a smiling yeah. face. Right, we'll just show up to class tomorrow. Well, I, look, I know you two will show up to class because Annie will make sure you're there. <laughs> Annie will like, She's us. like your yeah. mother. No, it's true. We showed up late to our walkover, and she was not happy on last Tuesday. Don't mess with it. It's going to be raining like tomorrow. Two seconds later or something? Yes, it was 8.02. We were supposed <laughs> to be there. It's going to be raining tomorrow, so she'll be particularly agitated if you guys are late. Can you come pick us up, Mr. Bradley? Can you uh, just... The answer to that is a big, fat no. <laughs> Can we all class in Tolentine? Stop it. And the comments. There's a there's no. a nice classroom in the comments. What is this? High in our building. Yeah, yeah, you building. guys are going to look at dandelions and yes. chase butterflies? No. Yeah, yeah, there's no windows in our Graphs and charts. Yeah, and there's no windows. It's this. I've had classrooms in Polentine. Yeah. Just because they have windows. Room 30A. There's no. A, it's like four degrees. And B, there's no windows. There's no windows I can look outside of. And when I when we put pack 30 youngsters in there for introduction to journalism it's 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 rather crowded and it gets a little stuffy it feels like 30 with pat and i there but yeah full voice full throat early in the morning we're ready to go yeah all pat does is whisper what he should say i'll I'll ask a question and pat will then just kind of i'll say (laughs) what and he'll have the right answer I'm nervous. Nobody, what are you nervous about? Nobody else talks in the whole room. Isn't it nice that I don't steal the answers, Mr. Bradley? Jeez. You should. You should jump them and, and get the points for class participation at his expense. I always slide in, I always slide in with the other answers. With I always slide in with, with a cliche. With a very nice cliche in the morning. Just for you, Mr. Can't Bradley. Stand it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Thank, thank you so much. We will see you tomorrow morning, and we are going to send into a quick break and come back with Villanova basketball. This is 89-1, and we'll be right back. All right, back here on Round Tripper. Again, a thank you to Professor Michael Bradley for coming thank you, on. Mr. Bradley. Mr. Bradley is fantastic. Um, so excited we finally got to got to have him on. Um, and we'll be in his class. Yeah, at, quick quick plug to yeah. any like if you're te- if you're taking any communication courses is definitely I would recommend could him. Could not, yeah, could yeah. not recommend and, that enough. Yeah, Pat and I yeah. have him at eight thirty Tuesday Thursday. We have to walk from the Commons to Gary. And it's quite a walk. Yeah, it's quite a walk. Definitely, you know, once we get through retirement. With Annie. Shout, with out, Annie. shout out Annie. But I would say he with keeps, their mother. <laughs> yeah, pretty he much. Keeps everyone's attention yep. is the, an incredible professor, incredible human, and he's an incredible person. And that's why he generally cares about his students. And yeah, incredible. Thank you, Mr. Bradley. If you take one of his classes this semester, next yep. semester, whenever. 
Yes, he teaches intro to journalism, sports journalism, feature writing next semester. Multimedia in the fall. Multimedia in the fall, so not next yeah. semester and public speaking. So definitely different opportunities to take him. Would, uh, would highly recommend it. And listen to his spot on ESPN Seattle uh, tomorrow night, I believe, 3.30. Or excuse me, 6.30 our time. Our I time, believe. yeah, 6.30. 6.30 our time. Um, just pop that up and you can listen to him live. But all right, so we are going to get into some Villanova basketball. Villanova opened their season on Tuesday night with a 97-54 victory over the Army Black Knights. What was the best aspect of the game? What was the worst aspect of the game for Villanova? Uh, you want to go, Pat? Well, I was going to say do it because you're the... You announced the game. That's oh, your did I? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I saw you on the court. <laughs> I did do play-by-play on that game, which you can listen live to home games on WXVU. Just a little plug. Conrad's done it before. Can I? Yes. Pen game? Or not pen. Who do we have home? Yeah, we do have pen. Uh, we do have home. I'm, next game I'm working is the LaSalle, LaSalle? game. LaSalle? so much harder than that. I'll be there. It is. And, and you did color. And number 23 takes the shot. And oh, it's, uh, Villanova, it's a Villanova team rebound. No, Conrad, Conrad did a nice job when he spoke. We just needed him. <laughs> I to spoke about three times. I almost passed out. <laughs> I legitimately almost <laughs> Almost fell asleep. It was a rough day for me. I'm not going to lie. And I, everything I didn't know was going on. There was a lot of big things voice. being thrown at me. Pat was talking real fast. Was this older New Pavilion? No, this was Fargo. 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 This was our sophomore The big year. time? This was for you guys. This was best part. Oh, the spread underneath, pretty good. Really? Oh, the the media spread's fantastic. Wow. Wells Fargo. The access you got definitely worth it. Actually, being on air, scary, very scary. Can I like with the media badge? Can I get into like the locker room after and chat with them? I cannot get into the locker room. You can get you into the press conference. Press conference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they they don't let anyone actually in the in the locker room. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Yeah, they, they yeah, it's more of like a professional sports league. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I will say best aspect is that Villanova has kind of been known as Guard University for the past couple of years, and well, that's going to be a little different this year. Uh, Jay played the bigs, and it was actually really fun to watch. Jermaine Samuel, Sadiq Bay, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Cosby Roundtree, Cole Swider, Brandon Slater. Um, a bunch, 54 total rebounds. They crushed Army on the boards who only had 26. I think that was kind of one of the big keys from it. Uh, worst aspect of the game, there was just too many turnovers. I mean, it's the first game of the season. It's a young team. You're going to get turnovers. But when you have as many turnovers as Villanova did, which was 17 against a team that you're just so much more talented than an Army, and that's nothing to arm, that's nothing wrong with Army. I mean, obviously what the Army... Yes, exactly. Yeah, with what the Army student athletes are doing is beyond incredible. Yeah. Um, but just on a talent level, obviously Villanova has a lot more of that. Seventeen total, um, five in the first half for Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Though Robinson Earl had zero in the second half, which shows a really nice um, kind of ability to change things up. Um, the seventeen just too much, and you do that against a team like Ohio State on Wednesday night, and that's going to be a real problem. I mean, I go similar with the downside is definitely that. 17 turnovers. It is a young team. It's still unacceptable. Especially when you're up by that much, you should be taking a little more care of the ball because like, it's not really in doubt, so we can play it safe. But I think just seeing what Robinson Earl is and what he was able to do kind of like off the gun, starting his uh, college with a double-double, is with 24 points and 13 rebounds, is, is really impressive. And seeing that he actually, while it was Army, was first game, he looks like he's mm-hmm. and that that's great to see, he especially after 
we, we talked about in the last segment. Um, John Quinterly, how he came here, he was supposed to be this stud, and then he rode finally. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to get a, a five-star guy that is legitimately showing what he can do, um, especially right out the gate, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be that too long of a feeling out process that there is going back to the college. Yeah, I think that Pat and I talked about it after the USC game, that it seemed like Jeremiah tried to take control of it too much a little mm-hmm. bit, kind of like he was in high school where it's, you know, hey, I can take over this game. You put anyone on me. He went to IMG Academy. So, like, obviously, you know, top what? One of the top schools. Top five, yeah. top seven. Exactly. And, you know, you put, played against the best, and he would, you know, go to town on them. And I think that USC game behind did that, had some turnovers. Same thing this game. He had a couple turnovers in the first half, but obviously he's going to be incredible. I'm really excited to see that also, too. Like, maybe one of the best aspects was post-game, a couple, like 24 hours later when they said Brian Antoine would come mm-hmm. back for as yep, good as that team points. looked. Not as good. I take that back. I only kind of said, Army was very. I still think Villanova looked very good though. Yeah, they looked. Yeah, they looked very good. They shot, um, very sharp. I think. Yeah, and they started out what like four or four from threes, just kind of like which which is what you have to do against an undermatched team is just take the life out of them right away. Don't Mm -hmm. let them stay in the game. That's you and that's what they did. They shot lights out. They this game was over twenty. It was what twenty two nine at one point or something or twenty two six. It was. It got worse. Yeah, it just got continuing to get worse. I think the worst aspect was. The, you talked about that we're not guard play anymore. I just think that I would like to see a little... Obviously, we're not a post-up team, but I'd like to see the opportunity for a dribble drive, you know, toss the mirror around, cause me round tree, or just, mm-hmm. you know, post... You know, we, we honestly haven't had a good post-up player since Jalen Brunson when he would... Yeah, and Brunson. they would say that. Brunson? He was, no, absolutely. They would, Amazing yeah, they would literally say he was our best post player. Yes. I was a little underwhelmed by... Cosby Roundtree, he looked a little rushed. I He's going to be a player to watch all season long. Yeah. This is just a different role for him. It is. I think that he looked a little nervous. He had a couple, like, yeah, I think that, you know, again, you know, let's get, you know, get, hopefully that's, you know, the bad game, get out of the way. Let's move on. I'm ex- very excited to see Army. Yes. And now I, I think what will be interesting. Our partner, Ohio State. I, yeah, I, I definitely in Ohio State. What will be very interesting is that, so Justin Moore started for Villanova against Army home at the Pavilion. Now going to Ohio State. I think there's a chance you see Gillespie, Robinson, Earl Bay, Samuels, and Cosby Roundtree just to go more experienced and play with that one guard. Yeah, yeah. So. As much as I like more, and I, as we'll move through our you know our Villanova preview since we weren't really able to do too much, well, we weren't able to do any of it last week unfortunately because there was a power outage in the studio, which was just fantastic timing for that. Um, I think Moore's going to be a very good player for Villanova and a very good player early mm-hmm. as well. So eight points. On, uh, on three of 11, shooting two for five uh, from beyond the arc. Only one turnover, and he handled the ball a pretty decent amount, which is just very impressive for a freshman in his first game. Moore's role is going to kind of shift a little bit, especially as Brian Antoine comes out. Moore played 29 minutes on Tuesday night. He's not going to play that much, um, especially once Antoine comes back, but I think you're still going to see a pretty solid dosage of him. Yeah, I think that... Yeah, I think he's he's awesome. I think that he. I remember during the USC game, I was like, "Who is this guy?" Mm-hmm. And he looks. He already he already looks like he fits the system, which is kind of what we talked about earlier that Jelly kind of couldn't do. Which is, you know, they call. I remember someone called like it's law school playing Villanova basketball. The first two years, you have no clue what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're trying to learn on the fly, then you figure it out. He kind of you know he looked like he knew what he was doing. It's great. I'm excited to see him. You know, continue to play. I think that definitely Villanova is set up. You know, for now and for the future, it'll only be. It'll, this is exciting. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very exciting time. We're obviously very 
fortunate to have the one, you know, two out of the last four, one when we were here. You know, that's all, all you know, we could ever ask for. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be an exciting time. I think it'll only get better. So, um, yeah. I, I think you nailed it. And while last year was kind of holding on to those last remnants of the kind of the championship, to the main players in the championship team, this is the birth of a new Villanova mm-hmm. era. And I think that's what's so exciting is that there's so many freshmen and sophomores that you get excited about. And then you have kind of those three cornerstone guys that are juniors that have just been through it and they yeah. know what they're doing. And except, especially in Samuels and Gillespie that are going to play a lot, I'm pretty sure you're going to get around 19 or 20 minutes out of Cosby Roundtree a game. It's going to be interesting to watch. On Ohio State, this is a big game for Villanova. This is their best opponent until playing Kansas at the Wells Fargo Center. So it's very important, especially just thinking ahead to March for out-of-conference wins. Um, Ohio State is 2-0. and They rode a large second half against Cincinnati. I believe they scored 45 points after they had only scored 19 in the first half. They're a very good defensive team led by former Butler coach Chris Holtman. And a big guy for them to watch is Caleb Wesson, who's averaging a double-double so far this season. Now, Ohio State does not have the offensive prowess to hang with Villanova if Villanova is playing that high-tempo Villanova basketball that Jay's been able to really install, especially over the last couple of years. If Ohio State can turn this into a rock fight, that's where things get very interesting and very scary. And Villanova doesn't really have the experience now, which is so strange to say that, but the average player on Villanova only has just over a year of experience, um, especially on the road, to be able to go through that. So what are our thoughts for Wednesday night? I think I'm scared of Wesson or Wesson. What, how is Wesson. Wesson. Yeah. I'm, yeah. He's, he's, de- he's, we definitely don't have someone that I think can guard him right away. Or not, that's not like, okay, you know, we're going to put him on here. It's like he's a guard where, you know, in previous years, it's, we're going to put Phil Booth, we're going to put mm-hmm. Jalen, we're going to put Josh Hart. I think that it'll be interesting to see how we do. I think that what you said, it'll be a great, it'll be a crazy atmosphere. It's 10 versus 16. It'll be a very good game. It's I a think, very good game. It's a yeah. Gavit game. It's going to be exciting. I think the game, I think it's going to be between like 55 and 65 points. I think it might, I think it's, I don't think it's going to be a rock fight. I don't think it's going to be a scoring, like going down where it's scoring I think that's last sweet week. Spot. I think it's going to be right around there. Um, Yeah, I think it's just, I'm just, I, I, this has an eerily familiar feeling to kind of like the Purdue game where I think we're going to, I, to me at least, I feel like we're going to have to get on a good start. I feel like if we get behind, especially away with a very young team. The game could get out of hand early if we get down by, you know, a couple, you know, by double digits in the mm-hmm. first half or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm also excited to see, you know, we said Jerry, to see how he responds against mm-hmm. a big team like that. And are we going to be able to shoot as well? Yeah. Shoot well again. It's a pretty big measuring stick for it being only the second game of the season. But again, it's only the second game of the season, which is only the second game, collegiate game for a lot of these yeah. guys or guys like Sw- Slater and Swider who didn't get all that much yeah. experience last year. Connor, what are your thoughts on Wednesday night? Uh, I'm just really interested to see kind of how, like you said, all those young guys, Robinson Earl, Slater, Swider, more how they react going into kind of a um, like a, ho- a hostile environment of going all the way to Ohio State and playing playing them. They're they're a top twenty five team, two and zero start, and they play they just play great defense. It'll be interesting to see how they're able to react, and depending on how that first five minutes goes i i, I want to see how, how they're able to adapt to whatever they're giving because the army they really didn't have to adapt to mm-hmm. no kind of were able to just like this is going to be our game plan they just out and it just we're so much better it doesn't matter that they had 17 points 
if they have 17 turnovers again, that's going to matter. Because they're not going to get it because the hardest part, I think, making the transition is, from what I've seen over the years, is they're not going to learn the defensive system as fast. Yes. And that's what's going to take time. And if this turns, like you said, into a rock fight, I don't know if Villanova has the defense yet because of so many young starters to kind of keep up with that. So it'll be interesting to see how, how Jay's able to control how these guys are feeling, thinking, going into this game. It is a really big game for only the second game of the year. But then also, no matter which way it goes, you can't take too much out of it. Sure. Sure. So I'll ask you guys one question here, and then we'll kind of wrap up with kind of a variety of topics. We only have about 10 minutes left. Who's the most interesting player to watch on this Villanova team this year? Um, I'd say Swider. I think obviously, like, we know what we're going to get out of everyone else. You know, we talked that we've talked about. I think Swider, he had obviously had um, the offer from Duke. He's mm-hmm. very good. He's, I think, a very good player that fits into the system. You know, is, you know, is he going to be able to step into the role? Is he going to be able to come off the bench as a sixth, seventh man and do well? Because I think that's what the strength of a good Villanova team is, is having that depth, is not playing six guys or seven, or, you know, once we get to the seventh, eighth guy that can actually go out there, can score, can do very well, is that that shows a good team, and I'm excited to see Swider step in the role and Slater. I think that obviously not, I think that if we can get those two guys going and consistent and not afraid of, we're in foul trouble, someone got injured, someone needs, you know, someone needs uh, a break, is we're not going to put in a liability. I think that, and that's why I think I would love, I'd love to see Swider do that. Um, I'm really interested to see how Kendrick Gillespie does this team. Mm-hmm. Because he has had, he did have the experience last year of kind of running point for most of those games. But he, like you said before, now this is a uh, front court heavy, heavy team and they're full of just forwards. Um, with Gillespie being really the only guard on the floor for most of the time and really not having a backup, and he's going to be playing upwards of 30 minutes a game. Um, I want to see how he's able to take that and able to. Keep producing at the at the end of games because when you're playing over 30 minutes, you're gonna get tired. I don't care how much you practice; it's gonna take a while for him to get used to it. And just able if he's able to control this team like he has in the past while taking on so much more with not having like a secondary ball. That's really up there. Yes, yeah, sticking with the forwards. I mean, the the absolute guy that that I want to watch this year is Brandon Slater just to see how he develops. So he played 20 minutes. I'm very excited for Slater and have very high hopes. Uh, five boards, three assists, three steals. For Slater, he's going to come on as a defensive specialist and someone that can kind of stretch the defense as more of a get-to-the-rim type of player. The shooting's not really there. I mean, he was two for three on field goal attempts, 0 for one from beyond the arc. He kind of knows who he is, but he's got a chance to create some chaos. Think Redshirt freshman Mikhail Bridges. Mm-hmm. That's the type of role that I think Slater can play. And then just the the guy is Sadiq Bay because I believe that Bay has a chance to be a freak this year. Twenty two points in twenty four minutes, five boards, two steals. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to get a bunch of the attention this year. Brian Antoine is going to get a lot of attention when he comes back, and as they should. But Sadiq Bay runs the show for this team, and Bay is absolutely going to be uh, a player to watch all season long. Which is going to be awesome because it's, you know, to have so many more weapons out there, mm-hmm. which is great, you know, obviously the and more the better. That is why I think this is an incredibly exciting Villanova team. And yeah. they're young, so they're going to have some bumps in the road. They could come out on Wednesday night and just look really oh, yeah. bad against an Ohio State team that is so good defensively on the road. But 
they also have so much potential that it gets you really excited. So it's yeah. going to be awesome, awesome to watch this season. We're going to hit a quick variety of topics right now. So you're on Alvarez one American League Rookie of the Year. No, I wanted you to do yours. You're man. Oh, I'm about to do that. I just wanted to lead with Jordan Alvarez. Your National League Rookie of the Year was Pete Alonzo. Because, of course, it was the polar bear taking it home for the New York Mets. Uh, 53 home runs, rookie uh, rookie home run record, first rookie to lead the Major League Baseball outright in home runs. Um, just an incredible year for Alonzo. Very much deserved. Fernando Tatis Jr. was probably going to give him a little bit of a run, but then his season ended in early July. So cannot wait to see what Pete does, especially for an encore. So manager managerial things that have happened since we've been on because yeah it's been like three weeks since we've been on the air uh the phillies hired joe girardi which for me i think that's a perfect move for them they kind of went from that they went from the non-experienced analytics guy and gabe kapler that the fan base definitely never took to and really struggled to someone that's won before knows how to operate with a big payroll knows how to manage the media i think he has a lot of credibility to the phillies roster Cubs hired David Ross, which I would love to hear Conrad's thoughts on. I think I, I he's, he's going to be good. I think he brings a like a different voice. It's still an older voice, but being able how he was able to stay in the league for so long as a backup catcher that could not hit for anything, and when he was with the Cubs, it was almost they only had seven batters when him and Lester would play because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So cannot hit. Yeah, he, he was still hit. so valuable. Yeah, and he, he stayed around for so much longer than he could have because of what he's able to do on the mental side of the game. And I think it's going to be really good to be able to calm down the players, get everybody in the right mindset. And while everybody's saying that, oh, he's like, he was poised with all the guys in the clubhouse, I'm pretty sure there's only maybe five, five key guys from that World Series team that he was teammates with. Mm-hmm. Um, and those guys... Besides Chris Bryant, I think all of them will react very well to this. Chris Bryant, I don't know how their relationship is going to go because Chris Bryant's just... Um, Interestingly enough, though, Jeff Passan of ESPN put out today that he believes that one of Francisco Lindor, Mookie Betts, or Chris Bryant will get moved this offseason. Hmm. I don't know if Chris Bryant could be signed. Well, if he's not going to resign, yeah, cashing in could be an interesting option. All right, so kind of juries out you're going to look at on Ross? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate it, but I, I'm not, like, in love with it. All right. And then my team also hired a manager in Carlos Beltran, and I will be the first one to say that Joe Girardi was my number one choice. I thought Girardi was kind of the guy, the experienced guy to go with. But if you were going to go with someone that did not have experience, Carlos Beltran was the guy. Um, Beltran's exciting. He's young. He's got the analytical side to it. He basically, from everything I've read, was pretty much a player coach with the Houston Astros that helped them win in 2017. He's been an advisor with the Yankees over the last couple of years, learning under Brian Cashman, not a bad guy to learn under. So it's exciting. And I, oh, I thought you, I thought you were giving me a thumbs down. Are you waving the camera? Conrad's one for the cameras. Look at Sherwood giving a nice somebody. wave over there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like the Beltron hire. I think it's exciting. I think it's terrifying. And I think it's New York Mets. So, I mean, what else could you possibly ask for on that one? Um, moving into more of my news. Um, Liverpool bullied Manchester City yesterday 3-1 to move eight points clear at the top, nine points clear of Manchester City. Conrad, what did you think of the game? It was absolutely electric. I wasn't even watching the game. But you I, could feel the electricity. I could feel the electricity. And I, every time over. I thought I was going to hear a couple of like, oh no, cat like crying, cursing <laughs> something out. And I only heard very good things. And I was just, um, man, so 
yeah, shout out to my buddy CJ for coming over and just making an incredible atmosphere in Arch 404. Wait, CJ? CJ Richards? Yeah, CJ. Yeah, CJ Richards and I are from the same school thing. Are you really? Yeah. CJ comes over for every Liverpool game. I don't know that. Yeah. yeah. No, we both are you parents with time. He was running over this time. He sprinted over this time. Yes. I was like, yeah, no, he, oh wanted, he wanted to be there for the start of this Yeah, game. our parents went to high school. You should come over for the next Liverpool game. Though. I'm a Man City. What's the rival? I think we talked. I, I, I Man, City. Man, Man City. Man City. Man City. Everton. CJ, the Everton fan was I told CJ I that I was the rival. Anyone. I was the rival. And he started laughing. I was the rival. That's fantastic. And we'll close with Villanova football came back with a big win, 35-28 over Richmond, keeping their playoff hopes alive. They will play LIU post on Friday night. Your squad. <laughs> My team um, on Friday night. And um, uh, well, just another must-win game, as all of these are for Villanova right now, and then closes with Delaware. But very cool that it'll be a Friday night game. We haven't had that since we've been here yeah. at school. So it'll be fun. 7 p.m. kickoff there. I ran through everything as much as we can, and we still had so much more yeah. on the sheet. Um, that was a lot of fun. That, yeah, that was an awesome show. So, again, just first off, want to say thank you so much to Mr. Bradley for coming on. That was fantastic. Um, you can follow him at Daily Ombre. <laughs> D-A-I-L-Y-H-O-M-E-R-E. Uh, he's a fun follow on Twitter. Yeah. It, it, he, he, his tweets sound exactly like he talks. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Um, guys, any last thoughts? I don't know if they heard it the first time when my the mic was out, but shout out to my brother yes. Andrew and his new fiance Margaret on the engagement. I don't know if I don't think that they heard it the first time, so I just had to get that in the second time. Yeah, of course, Connor. Uh, I say happy birthday to my brother. Oh, oh, I'm sorry to hear. Yes, that. happy happy birthday, and again, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out yes, there. Thank, thank you for, for everything you've done for this country. That'll wrap it up. For Round Chipper, I'm Pat Zhang alongside Jack Sherwood and Conrad Bayer. Thank you so much for listening. Podcast will be up Tuesday morning. We will be back at it Monday night. Yeah, Game of the Century recap. Game of the Century this weekend. It'll it'll be a fun show next Monday. So thank you so mm-hmm. much for listening. Yeah. And go Cats. Go Bills.